morning, folks. It's time for Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show about the crucial political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and the nation at large. Join us for a stimulating, thought-provoking discussion. You'll get the facts as we focus on the challenges facing everyone. Good morning, folks. Welcome to Democratic Perspective. Steve Williamson here. Um, well, I think we've got a good show for you today um, because it's about the Corporation Commission, the most important office in Arizona that people don't know about. Karen uh, uh, McClellan is here. Yeah. Karen, how are you doing this morning? Yeah, fine. Morning, everyone. And you want to introduce our, our candidate uh because we've got a great candidate here who's running for Corporation Commission, and she has a really interesting background. And um, anyway, you, you, Karen, why don't you introduce her? And yeah. Today we've got Lauren Kuby, who's a Democrat running for the Corporation Commission. Um, Lauren's been a city councilor in Tempe for a number of years. She also works at, at ASU in the area of sustainability. And obviously, when you have someone who's thinking about running for the Corporation Commission, which regulates all those utilities and electrical companies, water companies, other things, having a, a strong background in the issues of sustainability is, is what we really want someone to have because they have already got the background and understanding of issues of, of conservation and alternative energy and all of those things that the Corporation Commission has a huge impact on. We all... Uh, Think about if you really want that alternate energy, the Corporation Commission is sort of the area where those things are going to happen. They're also the ones that regulate, like APS. Most of the people who are listening to this are APS customers. And when the APS asks for a rate hike, which I think they're getting ready to do, it's the Corporation Commission that rules on whether or not the rate hike is excessive or whether it can go through. So it's an awful lot of power. Um, this is sort of a separate area of government. What the Corporation Commission does is basically independent of what the legislature does. The legislature can't just routinely come along and overrule their decisions. It's a separate branch of government in Arizona. So if you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself, Lauren, I know you've been on our program before, and hopefully a lot of people have had a chance to meet you. Good morning, and yes, I'm so happy to be here. I have sort of an interesting background as a, as a Democratic activist all my life. Since JFK held me as a baby in 1958. Uh, to elective office as a vice mayor and council member in Tempe, where I led on climate action planning, to the work that I've done at the Global Futures Lab and the Global Institute of Sustainability and Innovation at ASU. And I've done a lot of work in the water energy. Also, right now, my role at ASU is to lead the Startup Center for Affordable Homes and the Family. And we know that many homes are energy burdened and that energy costs are rising. The political events, Ukraine war, to the volatility in the gas market. We're seeing, you know, spikes in energy prices. You don't see spikes from the sun, by the way. The sun is a re resource that we have in abundance. So I bring together, you know, an academic background, an activist background, and then one is an elected official who's dealt with state preemption many, many times, and I'm well aware of the attempts to try and the powers of the commission because we've seen with Sandra Kennedy and Anna Tovar just increased uh, – attention to being consumer watchdogs and, and to being corporate, hold corporations like APS accountable. I think that's concern of the commission um, and the concern that the utilities have in seeing these consumer advocates get on the, the commission. 
Yeah, and Arizona, when they created the Corporation Commission back in, in 1912, mm-hmm. was very progressive and unique. At that point, the utility they were worried about was the railroads, but they created a commission that was elected so that the That's right. so the utility sector in Arizona would not automatically be controlled by the corporations and their lobbyists. It would be controlled by the citizens would have a voice in what the big utilities were doing. And there aren't exactly. too many states there's, that there's only do seven, this. Yeah. only seven utility commissions in the country that are constitutionally created. There's only 13 where they're elected. And what you say is true that the railroad, utility, railroad lobbyists were so powerful in those days, they were very reluctant to give the power to the governor to appoint because they wanted to have an independent commission called the fourth branch of government that has executive, judicial, and um and in legislative roles, and my opponents really want to take away the legislative role that the commission plays. They don't want rules and regulations to be established by the commission. They want to move it to the legislature, and we know how well the legislature deals with robust issues. (laughs) We know how well the legislature um, engages the public and stakeholders in decision-making. You know, it doesn't. So it's a great concern that we elect commissioners who are really going to stand for the Yeah, and we know this time um, we've got Anna Tovar, who was elected two years ago and has two more years to serve, and then Sandra Kennedy, who's running for re-election, and you are running for election for the first time. If mm-hmm. both of you and you and Sandra Kennedy both get elected, and by the way, on your ballot, that's one of the races where you vote for two people. Be sure to vote for two if you when you come you know, look at your ballot. But that would give a majority of members of the Corporation Commission would all be people who ran on the idea of looking at alternate energy and looking at towards the future. And that would be, that would in itself is it will be a big change and, right. you know, for things in coming years. That's so true. We'll have the first democratic majority in 30 years, but more importantly, we'll have three women, all women who will be focused on consumer advocacy. And, and my interest in solar renewable energy is, is doesn't just relate to you know, wanting a t- clean energy transition. It's, that is the cheapest form of energy. The utilities even agree when they do what, what's called a RFP, a request for all the proposal requirements out there. What always comes back cheaper is solar plus battery storage. Lauren, uh, you, years ago, you're... the International Energy Association said for the first time in history, solar is cheaper than any other form of energy. And that's been exponentially true. And now with historic federal investment in renewable energy with the Inflation Reduction Act, we're seeing even more Lauren, uh, Lauren, more reduction hello, costs for solar. Lauren, uh, you're breaking up some, so are you right on oh, top dear. of them, Mike? Uh, if yes, if you're on a cell phone, sure. don't move. <laughs> don't move even <laughs> in the phone. Yeah, yeah, because then it, the the signal gets, uh, uh, and, I, and I want people to be able to hear you clearly because you're making some very good points. So, very good. Yeah, yeah. so... If you're on a cell phone, don't move. Hands up. Okay. Uh, I think that's a great point. And um, the Arizona uh, Commission, Corporation Commission, has broader powers, doesn't it, than most commissions that do exist, and and certainly that mm-hmm. those that are elected. It does. Not only does it regulate non-municipal water, gas, and the electric companies, it regulates the entire telecommunications industry in Arizona. It regulates pipelines, gas pipelines, and regulates safety of the railroads and securities and investments. It actually puts people in jail for securities fraud. And it also serves as sort of the bank where you open up a business in the state. 
Yeah, so you got the role, like the Securities Exchange Commission on the federal government. That's one of the roles on, as far as state-level enforcement That's in right. Arizona. It really is a consumer commission. Corporation commission doesn't really adequately describe the amount of authority that the commission has. It's a very powerful branch of government. Yeah, and and the one that's probably the least known, and I think something a point Karen made uh, to vote for two when you get to the corporation commission, folks, don't go down and just vote for for, for, for Sandra for, and for Lauren. Yeah, yeah, vote for them both because it, if only it's only if the we get them both elected that we'll actually have a majority for the first time. Gosh, what forever in on the thirty years, yeah. thirty yeah. years. Wow. But to, to be fair, um, way back when I don't know exactly the date. You know, when Sander was on the commission initially, and we had it, the when the solar energy and alternate energy rules were first proposed in Arizona, it actually was a Republican majority on the commission that proposed that utilities should have to get a certain percentage of their you know generated electricity from alternate sources. And Chris Mays. Yeah, yep. Chris Mays is our commissioner and our chair then. We had Bill Mundell, yep. and they crossed over, and they were they were proponents and considered yep. the, the mother and father of the yep. renewable energy standard. They yep. were amazing public servants. And by the way, those rules, and it, not just the renewable energy standard, it was 15% by 2025, but also the energy efficiency standard. Those two standards saved us 23 billion gallons of water, because we avoided 14 power plants from having to be built because of the energy efficiency and because of the solar coming into our system, we were able to uh, save $9 billion with a B dollars. So that's another – that was in the days when solar was more expensive, yet still all those savings of both water and money were realized. And Arizona was out front on the leading edge of looking at alternate energy sources and looking at, at alternate energy on a statewide basis you know, a couple of decades ago, and we we, we, we no longer are. How does the cost of solar energy compare to other energy sources now or in the f- near future? Yeah, the price has dropped so dramatically. And before even considering the Inflation Reduction Act and those cost savings, solar is half the cost of natural gas and a third of the cost of coal. And what we also see is incredible savings with solar uses only 1% to 2% of the water that's used by fossil fuel and nuclear power. And so there's an enormous savings of water as well. All the nuclear and the fossil fuels that we bring into the state, that amounts to water use more than, than all the water that Tucson uses. So there's a definite and deep connection between water and energy in our state. And each, each decision that the Corporation Commission makes needs to consider the impact on water and drought because there is a deep and definite connection. Yeah, and we, and we know that's you know, a major issue that often or until recently and the statewide level and the legislative level didn't seem to be receiving the, the amount of attention it deserves. I know this past legislative session did start to look at some issues of, you know, of water on a statewide level, but it's, it's what, still not where it should be on on the Corporation Commission, the regulations, um, what what would be the effect? Of, can How much can you affect the, the drought that we seem to be in that seems to continue on and on and on year after well, year? Yeah, the commission regulates 300 private water monopolies. That amounts to 10% of the water users in the state. So in that, that sense, it's not as directly impactful as, say, cities are in trying to uh, mitigate the drought. 
But, 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 it is those 300 water companies that are typically not up to date with, with their infrastructure, with, with advancing in water saving technologies. The cities are. So what the commission can do is create these tariffs, as they're called, and requirements that there be water, uh, free water on it, free water irrigation um, controllers for customers, smart water meters that detect leaks and let you know within half an hour that you have a leak in your system and you can correct it before you waste a lot of water and waste a lot of money. So there's a lot of impact it can have on those rural areas. And in fact, it's the rural areas that are suffering the most from the water crisis in Arizona right now. The cities are sort of held back from some of the cuts, but we see in areas that don't have regulated groundwater pumping, people are hauling water that never used to have to haul water before. And so though it's only 10% of all the water customers in the state, those are the customers that are most impacted by the drought. I've heard uh, our, in the debate between our local uh, candidates for uh, state senate up here talking about the fact that it's hard to talk about water regulation because we don't know what's being used. We don't know what the resources are. And I know you, because of your own you know, background and stuff at ASU, must be aware of some of this. And I thought that the first thing that needs to be done that would require the cooperation of all kinds of different you know, state and local entities would yeah. be to really find out how much water is being used by all of these small well, small companies, um, by agriculture, by all of these areas where it's not very well regulated right now. That we, You can't make a good decision if you don't have any data. Yeah, it is clear we have to update the 1980 Groundwater Management Act, which was a phenomenal piece of legislation put together with Bruce Babbitt and many people from across the state. We're going to need to update that because that does not cover a lot of areas in the state where now groundwater is unregulated. And you've all heard about what's happening in Butler Valley in western Arizona where Saudi Arabia is pumping water and not paying a cent for that water, and they pay a lease fee that's way underpriced. And they're, they're growing alfalfa and shipping it to Saudi Arabia for the royal horses and, and for cows. So. This is this doesn't make sense that we're gifting to Saudi Arabia water and we're not regulating at all. We don't even know how many billions of gallons of water have been uh, released. One of my adventures was uh, being a loadmaster with a with a a load of cows going to Riyadh and Saudi Arabia and flying mm-hmm. over the desert and it's the most intense desert I've ever seen. I mean, there's just nothing mm-hmm. growing there for hundreds and hundreds of miles. And the cows are brought from uh, from Netherlands. They're put in big circular air-conditioned barns, and they'll never leave them. They can't go outside. Mm-hmm. the the uh, The inefficiency of 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 that is is uh, is amazing. I mean, they should just import, just bite the bullet and import whatever it is, milk mm-hmm. and stuff. And I understand why they want to be energy sufficient in that area, but. Uh, but it is truly uh, uh, an amazing, uh, amazing sight because once they put the, the cows in the air-conditioned barns, then they've got to feed them. And, and that's, they need where the tons, that's where the alfalfa comes in, of course, because they can't grow it, you know, in, in any kind of economic race. So they have yeah. no way to feed them except then find a place, which turns out to be Arizona, and get alfalfa grown for them and use the mm-hmm. groundwater that's here. Yes, and since the state land department is the one that made up this arrangement, monies, monies that are earned through the state land department are supposed to come to the schools. So it's another way that our schools are being short, short-shifted. 
yeah, because that, that's, you know, their land department is supposed to be either selling or leasing that land for its sort of highest and best use. In right. the, and that, of course, means nothing of best use in any sense except um, uh, what's going to give you the most money. Yeah, a, but the land department is supposed to be looking out to maximize. That's right. Instead of leasing it for $175 an acre, they're getting it for $25 an acre. And then the water is completely unregulated and it's just tapping out wells in that area. Yeah, somebody. Chris Mays is, promises to look into that when she becomes attorney general. I know, like a corporation, but there's so many things that people don't realize a corporation. Then there's other areas where people all assume somebody is regulating things and nobody is. Mm-hmm. And then we've got areas where people don't, you know, there isn't actually an organization regulating use, but people don't know that you know, if APS wants to raise its rates, they just can't sit there like, you know, the oil companies and decide, okay, this you know, this is the price and we're going to raise the price at the pump right. for whatever, you know, series of reasons. APS just can't say, okay, we're raising our rates. And I know APS has got a rate case that they're going to be presenting shortly. You know. Yes, and they're asking for a 14% increase, nearly a half a billion dollars. And because that is a case that I will be take a quasi-judicial yeah. role and decide on the rates, I can't really talk yeah. about that, but yeah. I would just ask our audience, do you want someone who's a former utility lobbyist deciding what rate you should pay? Uh, because my my main opponent is a former utility lobbyist. In fact, he's present, has a role to play in the American Public Gas Association's Policy Council, which sole purpose is to lobby other elected officials to use more natural gas in their, their energy systems. So you know, he really has the mindset of the utility and a utility lobbyist, and that's a great concern. I believe that whoever we elect should be a consumer advocate and be focused on the public health and the public interest and not the utility interest. And, of course, since it is regulated and public, it does mean that in Arizona then the average citizen has a way to put their get their input. If APS wants to raise the rates, you know, that's discussed publicly. There are, right. there are mechanisms to... You know, provide testimony to the Corporation Commission to do that so that, people, you know, there is a way, and sometimes we, the citizens often aren't aware of those aspects where you, there is a place for public testimony where people can weigh in and yes. provide information about the effect that a rate would have. They don't have yes. to just complain and, afterwards. And that, that process can take up to a year and a half. Now, our opponents are calling on that process to be whittled down, that it should be much faster. And the reason why it takes a long time is that there's a just a, a really robust public engagement process, so they want to shorten it. It should only benefit the utilities. It wouldn't benefit the ratepayers not to have their voices heard. So that's another concern is that, you know, both of our opponents are calling for a streamlined process. It has been streamlined over the past few years. It used to take, you know, upwards of three years to do rate setting. Now it's a year and a half. Whatever it is, it needs to be robust and bring in uh, pub- the public and all the stakeholders. That's one thing I think that the Corporation Commission does that – uh, is almost a, a given, and that's make what's going on public. It's all public hearings. The rates are all changed publicly. There's always there's a uh, if you want to, there's a way to access what's going on in a way that there probably wouldn't be nearly as efficient a way to access if it, if it wasn't public. If there was no um, corporation commission, so it's important that the corporation exists just to make sure that that the process of uh, 
rates, it's rate setting, for example, yeah. uh, is available to the public. So that if they are interested, they can find out. Or if they have a friend who's interested or a, a, a right. radio program that's interested. Yeah, because on a lot of these things, and, and not so much APS, but you know the, the, the smaller water companies, and those are mostly rural companies. You know, there have been a lot of issues in the past. You know, with you know, small water companies, you know, trying to sway the corporation commission financially. You know, we mm-hmm. all know that that Bribery. that uh, <laughs> you know, a number of, of election cycles back, APS put so much money into supporting the election of two two commissioners who were going to be friendly towards APS. Okay. Uh, and, of course, APS I, and their parent has promised they won't do that anymore. But, it, yeah. but you know what they are doing? They've promised not to be involved in this race, but what they are doing is piling a lot of money into legislative races. Uh-huh. In the past few cycles, the past few sessions, they've tried to introduce legislation that would harm the commission and really reduce its authority. And my Republican opponents, Sandra and my Republican opponents, are very much in tune with that. They want to see the legislature take on a bigger role. And we know the legislature does a terrible job. Not, they won't even open up, they won't even allow different bills to be heard in committee. And then there's very little public engagement in the committee process. It's mostly, you know, lobbyists that engage. Now, in fact, it was one piece of legislation. They had 105 lobbyists from uh-huh. the utilities swarming the Capitol to get what they needed last session. And and the legislature, though, on, on the you know, major part, since the Corporation Commission is a separate constitutional body, any laws that would, you know, greatly change would all have to go out for public vote, right? The, the legislature um, can tinker with the edges, but they can't take away, you know, the heart yeah, of the power. Yeah, so like permissive authority uh, that isn't as strong as, you know, authority we have to state, set rates. Uh, but within the rules of setting rates, you can establish renewable energy standards. That's been established by the courts that they, that we do have that authority to, to establish a renewable energy standard within the rate setting process or because of that. Because how can you determine what is a fair rate if you don't look at what the mix of energy is in the state? Uh, for years, our our program here. This is Halloween, right? Yeah. So yeah. I have such concerns about the candidates that are running. They are the most pro-utility candidates that we've seen in, in since before Bruce and Little for for decades. Hmm. They in a private meeting with utilities. I was at that meeting with mostly all the water, gas, electric utilities, plus a few um, energy companies of solar interests. But they stated that it's our job to make sure you you're successful in your role and that you know your business way better than the commission, so you should be able to decide what you want to do, and you shouldn't have the commission telling you what to do. And they said this knowing, or they should know, that the commission commissioners are regulators, so they're almost denying the job of the regulator. They want to just let the, the utilities have their way, and to me that was such a danger warning sign, um, red alert for our voters. I think you make a good point because for years uh, our our program here invited um, uh, APS to come on the show and deny that they were funneling dark money into corporation commission races. And we invited them over and over and people were afraid, well, they'll sue you. And they never said a word. They never set foot within 150,000 miles of the program. But we didn't invite them because... It's interesting the point that you make. So 
basically they're stopped from from funneling as, at least as much dark money as far as we can tell into the uh, into the corporation commission races but then they've taken it and they put it in other races this tells you the problems we have in regulation folks is that once you even if we can slow down um, the kind of corruption in one area it just moves to another area and I think uh, Laura's made a very good point about that yeah and they put in they put in a quarter of a million dollars to the uh, the governor's association PAC which is helping Kerry Lake. So they put in a quarter million dollars to help Kerry Lake. So APS is very involved in that, that race as well. So they reformed themselves, but not really so much. Um, it's, yeah, it's just sort of like whack-a-mole. And you know who uncovered the fact that over $11 million is spent to defeat her? Senator Kennedy herself uncovered that because she subpoenaed the records to so, show how much money and, and went into trying to destroy her. And those ads were vilifying her they darkened her skin um and the ads you know they made it seem like she was somehow a criminal it was just terrible terrible and those ads are meant to just so disgust you with voting that you kind of turn off to voting altogether Mm. i think that's what dark money sometimes is all about you know to make you feel like voting is a dirty process and you want to just skip it altogether I think that I think that's true, and I think that that's one thing that uh, that a lot of Democrats don't understand, and a lot of particularly younger Democrats or younger people don't understand, which is that if you can vilify voting, if you can say that it doesn't matter, right, Karen? If you can say it doesn't matter and that they're not going to really count the votes and all of this stuff, then you can stop people from voting. And if you can stop people mm-hmm. from voting, it's much easier to get control over the sections of government that people would be elected who might regulate them more. It's, it's a standard thing, and, and they, they throw a lot of mud at our whole electoral policy and process, really, I, I should say. Um, and when they do that, the effect is to lower the, is to lower the vote, and that is the intention. They're not, it's not an accident that they're doing it that mm-hmm. way. So I think it's particularly important. And one problem we have with Democrats is not voting down the ticket. So what we really would like you folks to do is to look all the way down the ticket. So when you find something called Corporation Commission, understand how important this is to you personally and to your uh, the people in your neighborhood and your city and your in your rural area um, in terms of of economics and in terms of uh, environmental things because uh, solar power is just less damaging when you get around to it. It's just less damaging than than uh, many of the other ways of finding energy. Uh, and it's very appropriate to Arizona where we've got inter- <laughs> sun. Plenty of state you know? the nation. Yeah. And yeah. It's also true, you know, we, we are on the front lines of the climate crisis in Arizona. If you think about wildfires, they're more frequent, more intense more geographically distributed. They're starting earlier. We have flooding. We have uh, drought, the worst drought in 1,200 years. Extreme heat temperatures are rising and they impact the vo- most vulnerable the most. And then we have, we have the worst air quality in three counties in the nation. So we have F grades from the, from the American Lung Association because we're so, our transportation sector is so polluting. And we are electrifying. That's a good thing. But if we electrify and we don't decarbonize, we're only going to be increasing our demand for energy. So we need to 
you know, the cheapest form of energy is energy efficiency. We need to really supercharge energy efficiency measures because that every dollar you put into energy efficiency, you get $4 back. So we need to do that. But by embracing a clean energy transition, we're embracing cleaner air, cleaner water, and a more just economy because, you know, those in the Navajo Nation and northeastern Arizona have really suffered from the closing of coal plants while people recognize they must close for economic reasons, for environmental reasons. You can't leave people behind in those economies that have been based on coal. Yet my opponent, he said that the Navajo Nation was essentially a foreign nation and that all those communities should just, in, in, the, in Navajo Nation, the Hopi Nation should apply for foreign aid. So Politifact, <laughs> which is a nonpartisan group, they gave him the designation of liar, liar, pants on fire. They go from truthful to all the way to liar, liar, pants on fire. And they said that statement was so wrong and so incorrect. It, and it, it shows real prejudice, yeah. too, frankly, yeah. beneath right. the, the silliness of it. It's, it, yeah. it shows a real prejudice. Um, if you've been up on the Navajo Nation and you've talked to people, you'll run into people. The people, a lot of the people with good jobs, good-paying jobs on the Navajo Reservation had them connected with power production. And the loss of those plants is really going to hurt what – Maybe in the rest of the world is not high income, but in that in that yep. area is is higher income coming in. So it's it's something that the, the the Navajo particularly need need some help with adjusting to because it is going to take jobs and they have to be retrained for for um, right. solar right care uh, Laura? yeah. There's things like, yeah, we could repurpose those, and that's you know, obviously the corporation is not directly involved in that except as sort of having a bully pulpit that's right. to talk that's about right. the need to repurpose and the economies that are dependent upon these Actually, the more polluting industries. Actually, the play and has considered, and staff recommended not going ahead, but they can require the utilities to invest mm-hmm. in a just and equitable transition. And what's shocking, what my Republican opponents are saying, that you know, they say it's a foreign nation, and that's terrible. They also, the communities of Joseph City and St. John's and, and Page and Springerville, they're impacted. And those are very red, rural Republican areas. And they've said that, oh, they shouldn't get a bailout. They knew this was coming. They should have known 50 years ago that the coal wouldn't be forever, and they should have prepared better. And yeah. that's a shock. We, should not, we shouldn't leave anyone behind in this economy, especially when we have, you know, the benefits of solar and we can – replace those um, plants with solar and solar storage. And I know some of your opponents, when it gets down to right down to the individual consumer level in your in your own home, several of your opponents dislike the idea of APS or any utility offering you a rebate because you install a <laughs> energy efficient thermometer system in your house so you can regulate your house temperature you know they you know, are so, rebates for solar panels on your roof so those are things that that's down to the individual consumer's pocketbook you know for a lot of people yeah. when, when those rebates were around there were a lot of people using or putting solar panels on their roof if the rebates go away to help the cost of you know, the initial installation cost of some of these things, and it just seems crazy that somebody would run saying, "We don't want you to get that rebate from APS because you put in a better thermo- uh, thermostat." <laughs> and they're talking about yeah, a ninety dollars thermostat that actually saves you energy. And what's important for the utility too is helps you to to manage the demand. And actually, California has been quite successful in this. They avoided blackouts and brownouts this year because. They were able, with thermostats and people voluntarily taking part, of reducing the demand in high peak times. And that saves everyone money 
And right now, I'm an SRP customer, so I have a plug-in hybrid. I plug in my car when I get home. At the end of the day, it doesn't charge up until the off-peak hours. There's a program I have to do that. So I save energy because it's charging in the off-peak time, but they also give me an incentive of $10 a month, $120 a year. That encourages me to charge when the power is less needed, and that's smart. And we've seen demand technologies uh, really, really advance in the past couple of years. We're not going to even recognize it. In, in 10 years, you'll plug in your car probably directly to the grid. You know, there's a lot happening in technology. We need to embrace that and not be Luddites and go backwards in time. My opponents, they want to get rid of any renewable energy standard. I want to expand it. Sandra wants to expand it. They want to actually get rid of the 15% standard we have. So that is just such a backward step. And, you know, Arizona is poised to lead in this clean energy economy. And the clean the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act, is said to benefit Arizona more than any other state in that regard. Yeah, I think that's one of the most um, important points. Now, <clears throat> suppose you uh, collectively we have a Democratic Corporation Commission and we still unfortunately have a Republican legislature where the APS and many of these other companies are pouring money in to support candidates that will support their position. What what how much is that going to limit what you can do in the corporation commission to benefit Arizona, you know, well, yes. Um, so the legislature could step in and, and really kind of trample some authority. Some of it, they'd have to go to the ballot ballot box. But Chris Mays, electing Chris Mays to attorney general is highly important because the attorney general can essentially um, send back, you know, a renewable energy standard to the, and 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 kind of show to show some kind of legal objection. It could get in the way and get really sticky. So it's really important that we elect an attorney general who, as Chris Mays says, will center climate and the environment, her decision-making, and restore the environmental division of the attorney general's office. That's important because, you know, it's always like one step forward, two steps backwards, three steps forward, one step backwards. So, you know, this is just one branch called the fourth branch of government, but other branches can have impact on the Corporation Commission. That's why we're seeing all the money come in to the legislature from, from utilities. Yeah, and of course, Chris was a, a, a corporation commissioner in the past, so she has a lot of knowledge, both to that and, and other things she's done to, you know, to, to make climate a center part of, uh, of Arizona policy, because she has, you know, has the understanding and the background to, to do that, which is... APS does uh, spend a whole lot of money under uh, kind of where people can see it uh, kind of cultivating support in, in Arizona. And a lot of the stuff, they are doing some, in their favor, they are doing some good things. And, I mean, we've roasted them for years on the show. But they actually do some good good environmental things. The thing is to make sure that they continue to do those and increase them, that that's part of their job is to take environmental issues right lauren into mm-hmm. a kind of forefront to their to their energy production get the energy out there get it produced efficiently because the more efficient it is the better for everyone but also but, yeah. to to mm-hmm. to do this to do the solar to be cognizant of of the needs of of um, of the state in terms of solar issues can you repeat that question? <laughs> <laughs> Was there a question? No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, 
So APS is doing some good stuff, right? But yes, there has been a change in their culture, which I commend them for. Yeah. So so I I've noticed it. So that that means that it's fairly extensive because I'm not real uh, you know real sharp on on APS policy changes, but they have done some some changes for the better. The issue for the Corporation Commission is to make sure that that keeps moving in a positive direction, right? Oh, certainly. And my dogs distracted me, so I apologize for that before. You have six uh, dogs? <laughs> they're true. There is on UC with TEP, UC with APS, there has been movement forward that, that APS actually has a carbon neutrality goal for 2050. The, led, the commission did not go forward with a 100% renewable energy goal by 20. 70, so it's not even up to par with what APS is doing. Um, so that's why we need to, it's one of the first things I would like to get started when I'm elected, is start the renewable energy uh, standard uh, adjudication again. And we need to pass that. And we, we failed by one vote because of Jim O'Connor backing, backing off that pledge. So, uh, you know, we have other utilities across the state, rural electric co-ops, that some are doing well with the the clean energy transition, some not so well. We have SRP that has a lower um, solar mix than other utilities. And there's so much to be done, and we really are poised to lead. And we know from the Center for the Future of Arizona, a nonpartisan group, they did an exhaustive Gallup study, not just a poll one day, not a snapshot in time, but exhaustive study showing that three-quarters of Arizonans want to see this clean energy transition. And we know it will be healthier for, for all of us if we electrify our transportation sector and our building sector. We remove that carbon. We remove the air pollutants. We're going to have less cardiovascular and pulmonary disease. We're going to have less asthma in our population. We're going to have a more healthful community. So, I mean, we're it's all on this trajectory, but some will say, well, it's happening anyway, or the market's happening, or APS is moving this way slowly. Yes, but we know we have really till the end of this decade to show dramatic changes in, in decarbonization. We need, it's red alert for the planet. So we can't really be talking 2050. We need to be thinking much earlier in terms of transitioning our economy. We have to set a standard because with those standards, what people don't realize come decadal goals that are enforceable. And you can say, okay, if you have to be 100% renewable by say 2035, what percentage of that is going to be rooftop solar? Because we know the rooftop solar industry was really harmed by a lot of uh, utility utility regulations. We could encourage, as a commission, that there be rooftop solar, that there be a certain percentage of schools by a certain date that are, are solarized. So it all is, is so important to have that renewable energy standard because that's a larger policy signal that sets a lot of things in motion. Yeah, and by setting those standards, then the... Uh, within Arizona, the organizations that the corporation does not regulate, like the Salt River Project and others... You know, would it encourages everybody to be going in the same direction with the same goals, even if you know, right. they are not directly regulated you know, by the That's Corporation right. Commission. You know, that everyone is doing the same things, that the big companies and the small companies are all moving and, and that assistance is given so that the small companies you know, can do what the large companies do. That, you know, right. you know, that I mean, obviously you like, changes in technology um, are expensive. Safety. You know. I mean, you can Google pipelines, gas pipelines. Arizona, there's pipelines that are exploding when Chris Mays was the commissioner, uh, there was a huge pipeline explosion west of Tucson where the gas is spewing 80 feet into the air over this new housing development. And she flew, flew to Texas to make sure that Kinder Morgan replaced every single pipeline in the state of Arizona, which they did. So the utilities are really um, 
the gas retailers are really beholden to the, to the commission, and they have to act in the public safety if the commission requires that, you know? If you have somebody on the commission who's been a long-time Southwest gas lobbyist, is he likely to really push the gas industry to to do what they need to do to protect the public? I think not. So to me, like on this day of Halloween, I am frightened because we don't know how this race is going to turn out. And sometimes people don't vote down ballot or they don't vote midterm years. But this is a race that is going to impact your health and your pocketbook. And we are in danger of electing two Republicans who want to go backwards on all of this. Yeah, we yeah, as we keep talking to people, they need to vote all the way up and down the ballot, and every and every office on there has an effect upon you. you know, and often it's the down ballot ones that may have more of a day to day effect than voting for the governor or the senator or the president. Not always, and not in every issue, but there's a lot of those pocketbook issues that people you know see and feel, and the pe- the people who make the big changes in that are often farther down the ballot than the top. You know, it's, the corporation commission can have more an effect. May upon your energy cost as a consumer in Arizona than the governor, perhaps, you know, or than, the sen- than a senator. Mm-hmm. So you need people need to remember to look all the way down and and vote all the way down. Don't leave don't leave spaces blank. Find out what those groups do and and vote for you know, people that are running to represent the consumers and not the corporations. Yeah. And when you look at the Republican versus the Democratic slate this year, the Democratic slate we have. You know, five of the seven are women. We have two people of color. I mean, we look like Arizona. The Republicans are, they're all election deniers. And that's a concern, too, for me. Uh, when you think about my Republican opponents being election deniers, you might say that has nothing to do with water, energy, gas, utilities. But it actually does because you play a, a judicial role on the commission. And they somehow have decided what evidence they heard or, or they didn't take testimony cases adjudicating this, they somehow still think that Joe Biden isn't elected our president properly. So that tells you something. They're going to be putting the consumer in mind. They're going to be keeping one person in mind, maybe one segment of their party in mind, but they're not really putting the interests of the people ahead of their party. And, and that's what you do when you're a commissioner. You're representing consumers. You're representing ratepayers. You're not representing utilities. In fact, there's an, an advocacy for consumers you know, in opposition utilities, you should be taking the mindset of it, of show me why you need to increase this rate, not like, oh, I'd like to increase your rate. How can I make it easier for you, which our Republican opponents are saying. Yeah, if, you, if they're not going to stand up to the claims that uh, Biden didn't win the election when everybody who's checked it in every different way, costing us millions of bucks, has um, has come to that yeah. conclusion we've got two minutes less karen you gotta, yeah we, we haven't we want to thank our our supporters um folks without without your donations and the donations of groups like the yavapai uh, democratic party we couldn't stay on air we yeah. have to buy every single minute of our airtime and it's extremely expensive yeah. so besides those people if you go and look on our verde valley independent democrats website you can link to that from facebook and you can you know, make a donation. You know. Send us a, you know, $10 a month you know, to, to keep this on the air. You know, we're glad for the organization that supports us, but we can always use that $10 a month from anyone who's listening who wants to listen every week. Yeah, know. we had a very successful fundraising um, back in, in June. 
Um, but we're still running a couple of hundred dollars a month short of what we need to actually uh, to actually support the program. So your help, folks, would be really, uh, really beneficial. And one of the things, since um, if you want to watch the election results together with company of yeah. like-minded things, the Democrats of the Red Rocks is having an election watching party at El Portal Hotel. Um, the Democrats in the, in the Verde Valley are having an election watching event at the Red Rooster in Cottonwood. So if you want to you know, go out and sit together and hopefully cheer for the winners together with your friends, um, you can look those up on, on the door the door website, you know, or look on the Verde Valley Independent Demo- or Verde Valley Yavapai Verde Valley Democrats pa- Facebook page and get the details. Right, <laughs> yeah. and and these things are really fun to do if you're if you're sort of into yeah. that, and even if you we're not doing well, uh, folks, you can get this show and all our other shows on vvid.org, vvid.org. That's our our website. We also have a Facebook page. We encourage you to do a search. Listening to Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show focusing on the political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and our nation at large. Catch us every Monday morning after the 8 a.m. news, right here on AM 780 KAZM. It's beautiful out there, folks. Have a great day.